On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchando. It's Jenny Anchando here. I am, I feel like I always say this. Ah, I'm so excited about our guests because we really think intentionally about these guests and about who would be inspirational to you and whose story might bring a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a, a light to your life. So before we bring him in, let me tell you about our guest today. His name is Adan Gonzalez. He is the founder and executive director of Puede Network here in the Metroplex of Dallas. And I'll tell you a little bit about his background. You guys, he was an intern at the White House. He was a fellow at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He went on to get a degree at Georgetown. He attended Harvard and Columbia for his master's. And so you hear that and think, well, what a charmed little life he had. Must be nice and easy to be him. <laughs> so let's find out if that's the case. We'll bring him in now and have a chat about it. Hi, Adon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. Uh, well, so let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about your childhood because, like I said, when somebody reads your bio or they look at your LinkedIn, they think, "Man, this guy's had it easy." Absolutely. I mean, if my pride is that uh, I am the reflection of the hard work and sacrifice of my parents. Both are immigrants from León, Guanajuato, Mexico, and my dad has been uh, a janitor all my life, and my mom, I'm a milk clerk, and if anything just understanding that their sacrifices and their dreams um, is something that we carry with pride. And that's, I'm one of four brothers, and it's been an interesting journey growing up in Oak Cliff, specifically South Oak Cliff. Um, it's, again, uh, some a place I'm very proud of to be from, um, but also understanding that there's a lot of um, things that sometimes we see, um, whether it's in the classical you know, inner city, high violence, drugs, low opportunities. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a place that I love. It's yeah. a place that I yeah. continue to be in and want to, want to continue to, to impact. So let's talk about South Oak Cliff for people who aren't from here or let's be real, people who live in the Metroplex and don't have any friends who live there or, or um, were raised there. It's often sort of characterized as one of the poorest neighborhoods in the state. I know for you it's a beloved neighborhood. Can you talk about what it was like growing up there? Absolutely. So many beautiful people. I think the most beautiful part about Oak Cliff is the human capital that exists in our community. From like, let's say the paleteros who are selling ice cream, the eloteros, uh, people who literally take a table out their front apartment door and try to sell you, you know, clothes that doesn't fit their kids anymore. It's just people that are resourceful people who are tenacious, people who have dreams, people who are just so amazingly talented. And a lot of times are immigrants who came to this country for a better life. But even those who are not immigrants, just people who have a history of sometimes being marginalized, but understanding that it's gonna take hard work and grit to overcome obstacles and really fulfill whatever aspirations we have. Um, I think, you know, Old Cliff again, 
it's we it's a mixture of people you have the same kid let's say in in a school um right he's be growing up um you know are there are we are we even i say we right it, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. it's just are we the gang members mm-hmm. it's more of like here you have to grow up and have to defend yourself because it's tough either you fight or you get bullied so there's just a lot of you know diff- different angles to understand sometimes what a lot of people in my neighborhood are labeled as but for me i believe we have amazing human capital and it's just people that are really working every day to be the best version of themselves and provide a better future for their kids now do we lack opportunities absolutely do we lack the talent no and that's what at the end of the day um i think i've been able to organize my education to be able to create opportunities that match the potential in our community so many times kids have those dreams but if you don't have the opportunity and the resource how are you going to be able to excel in them? Well, let's talk about that. Were you the first person in your family to go to college? I was the first person in my family to go to college. My older brother actually set the bar, um, though, for us. Like, for example, um, you know, I remember whenever he, my older brother is now a Dallas fire marshal. Oh, he, went to, oh, awesome. he went to Cedar Valley Community College. And I remember the long nights. Like, I had to do it with him first where he was applying to college. And this is a secret, actually. I don't Bless. get to share this. But it's like, when my older brother was applying to college, like I noticed one thing. Number one, I was going with him because we would sit in the curve of McDonald's or Wendy's. Back back um, 10 years ago, you know, Wi-Fi wasn't free. So you had to hack in. So you had to like get to know the managers of these fast food restaurants. We didn't have a laptop or technology, so you had to borrow it. Um, from either school teachers or organizations on campus. And I remember when my older brother got to apply to college two years before me, I noticed he had a lot of blank in his application. And at that point, being the little brother that wants to, you know, <laughs> compete with the older brother, I remember putting my mind, I'm like, whenever it's my turn, I'm going to have it off field. And, you know, four years later, after my brother was a senior, and again, I was a, uh, um, a freshman and I became a senior, all of a sudden I have a very well-rounded resume. All of a sudden I win over a million dollars in scholarships and I did not have any blanks on my application. But it's, it's again, small things like that, that I learned now that everything that I did was with a purpose. And it makes sense for anyone that comes from privileged backgrounds. Like I had a lot of community service, leadership initiatives, um, academic success, and I had ambition. That being said, um, for me, the real, the, the true story behind this is that I saw when my older brother applied, he had blanks, and I wanted to have less blanks in him. <laughs> a little um, bit of familial competition there, but you know, it's it's um, it's true that college application part in. Listen, I'm not somebody who believes that you have to go to college to be successful. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that about me. However. It is a requirement for a lot of what we do in the world. And I was the first person in my family to go to college too. And I remember looking back, I can relate to you on that point of, you kind of look at these applications and like, well, I didn't know we were supposed to have, be doing this, this, and that. I thought just going to school was gonna be enough. It's so confusing to figure out those financial aid applications. And if nobody's in your, in your family has done it before and neither has your, your aunt or your grandma or your cousins, 
it can be such a daunting task to figure out how you're going to, you know, I don't know what the word is that the, when you're in high school, it's get out, you know, how am I going to get out? Uh, because, because I can't even figure out this application. So you had the wherewithal to see that your brother had the holes and like, okay, I, Adon, I'm, I'm not going to have the holes. Is that part of, and I don't want to put words in Puede Network's mouth, is that part of what you guys do is prepare kids for, if this is your goal, these are the things you're going to need to do in order to get there? Absolutely. Weather Network is a youth leadership development program and ultimately is to build scholars and community stewards in our community. That being said, I have kids that are from early on as four-year-old kids all the way to 18 and then after the, the program. Now, the truth is within the college process, we're so again, part of the way I always introduce myself is, my name is Alan Gonzalez and I'm from Oak Cliff, son of immigrants. Now, when I say that is that for so long, everyone that I grew up with had a similar story. I didn't, I still, to, 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 till today, I do not feel special or that my story was special because everyone around me that I grew up with either had a difficult, situations that were more difficult or had to overcome, you know, bigger obstacles. That being said, it's through the process that I started understanding that everyone has a story and everyone should be proud of that story. For us, from my family, you know, when I was six years old, my dad was shot in front of me and my older brother. Um, he was disabled for about 18 months, and that meant that we had to start working at the flea market selling snacks and movies to help our parents buy our school uniform. So, like, the idea that I wrote on my story that I literally had to miss school to go work in the United States of America, in Dallas, Texas, for many people, uh -huh. you know, don't stop to think that. And for me, again, it was normal because as a family, we always have to sacrifice and do what's best for the family. But then you realize, you know, there's a bigger, um, a bigger bubble outside of Dallas and Oakland where every story matters. And I think that's one of the most important lessons that I've learned um, through that process is that everyone has a story to tell and it's important for us to embrace it. For parents who are listening or watching and have kids who are, you know, middle school, high school, could go one direction, could go another, um, and they hear, man, this guy got into Harvard. Can you explain what that process was like um, to, to go from, to, to your point about working at the flea market and, and just working to really just su support the family and help out the family to then really... Um, getting these incredible opportunities. Right now, I, I think asking if you wanted the real story, and when they share that, give it, give you know, it. It's because I want people to understand two components. There's a, a quote, and I don't want to misquote the person who said this, so um, it's going to be a little choppy, but it's like, it's talent is, or is when preparation meets opportunity. And the idea is, number one, uh, for me, I was prepared, whether it was academically, um, I, you know, spent time in the library catching up because I was not prepared coming out of Dallas ISD. Uh, for anyone that receives a public education, especially here in Texas, understands that, you know, we're not preparing students besides the standardized testing, the state exam. That being said, I understood and I was honest with myself of how behind I was once I arrived to Georgetown. And I had to play a lot of catch up academically. Um, so the idea that is I had to put in the work in the classroom to catch up and number two, understand my own identity 
being pretty proud of where I was from, that, you know, Spanish was my first language, that I am a son of immigrant, that, you know, I did grow up wearing my older brother's clothes because my parents couldn't afford it. Just understanding my real situation is something that, again, has helped me. Now, when I share, share with you the stories, how did I get to one outcome after the other is, you know, it's about experiences and situations that give you an example. Uh, how I ended up at the White House is there was an event in D.C. called the Hispanic Heritage Awards. There is a, the president and CEO of the Hispanic Heritage Foundation invited me to the event. I had no speeder seats. I showed up about two hours early. I was a college sophomore, freshman. And I saw people with like things on their ears that they looked important. I followed them all the way through. And I ended up in a green room where there was like Eva Longoria, Los Tigres del Norte, they were getting awards. I sat down in a room that I was not supposed to be in. Started speaking to an individ- uh, a man next to me, explaining how I can solve the education crisis in America. It, again, I'm 18, trying to do this, and then Arnie Duncan walks in. He was the U.S. Secretary uh-huh. of Education. Of course. This guy's course. like, hey, you need to meet Adan. I talked, then Ar- there he comes. I didn't know who Arnie Duncan was. Again, I still didn't understand uh, U.S. government or politics, and I was like, oh, in order to help kids, you got to do X, Y, and Z. He's like, hey, come work for me. I'm like, when do I start? He's like, Monday. So then I ended up at the U.S. Department of Education. Then eventually someone saw me work there and wanted me to go to the White House. Like, that is just, if I wouldn't have followed those gentlemen into a room, it was luck, a lot of luck. But then I was prepared when that my moment happened. So that's why, again, that's like the truth. I'm not going to tell you... Oh, I'm gonna have an amazing resume. I'm a genius. It's that there's a lot of situations happening in life that I've been able to be prepared for, and whether it was something that happened early on when I was in the pulga at the flea market selling a movie, those constant rejections or fighting in a ring, like I'm not afraid of failure, and that's why I've always put myself out there because I wanted to make a difference in my community. Because at the end of the day, Jenny. In Oak Cliff, as positive as I want to continue to make the narrative, there are so many people that are hurting and so many people that want an opportunity to have a better life. And it's our responsibility to be those leaders that can create those opportunities because then they will do that for others and we will finally have real change. Well, let's talk about this past. By the time this comes out, hopefully there will be some recovery, but I think um, unfortunately a lot of people in Texas will still be in a world of hurt. This last week, for people who are not aware, there was just a a massive, um, quite deadly storm in Texas, people dying of hypothermia and carbon monoxide poisoning and negative two degrees. And I mean, children in homes with negative two degrees. And and part of what you do is serve your community. So um, how how are you um, mentally, physically? How are those who you serve? I think I have to be strong because at the end of the day, you know, there's kids that are looking up to not just me, but their parents, individuals who they understand have to take care of them. I'm frustrated at the reality that, again, glimpses of my story 10 years ago that we didn't have 
technology or Wi-Fi. That is something that people just learn because of the pandemic and not being able to like, now we are aware of that tech. We cannot ignore that tech gap. Now with the storm, understanding that people, you know, are just have a place to live. It's not always, um, you can never take it for granted. And right now, as we're either feeding families, opening our center for them to sleep, or just understanding and, you know, the reality where parents are more worried that they missed a work, a week of work, and they don't want a handout. They want to figure out a way where, you know, they can bring something home for their kids, whether it's a meal or just hope. Um, and I and I think right now, uh, for me, it's difficult to talk about it because it's something that we always have lived. Of course, it's something that's an extreme and it's more transparent. But I hope it's an eye opener for you know people who are on the other side of the bridge in Dallas to understand that you know, unfortunately, resources and food deserts have always existed in our neighborhood. Um, and that being said, I do believe that if we come together and work together, beautiful things can happen. And that's when we, there's this quote in Dallas where big things happen in Dallas. Those are the things that should be happening. There's people that want to help and have good hearts, just don't know where to find those people to help. And then there's people who need to help and don't know where to find the resources. It's our responsibility. And I feel Jenny, even talking to you right now, will hope you know, hopefully help that make that happen. Well, and that's that's my hope because I think sometimes, to your point, you know, people keep, they're, they're born into a certain situation, one side or another, and um, and they just don't know how to connect and help. And so, I yeah, I think that, that this interview and this conversation is hopefully gonna bring some awareness to that. Um, something that I've been thinking a lot about is what made you decide to, I, I hear the love you have for your community, um, but what made you decide to come back and do specifically what you, what you do? The truth is, I, I never left. When I was in school, there's a story that, come, that I share often because it's become an initiative. That when I arrived to Georgetown, um, I arrived with my clothes in the trash bag because I didn't know about airport fees and luggage fees. And my dad had given me a hundred bucks, my mom a rosary. And just the reality that I couldn't afford the luggage fee. They took out clothes. Um, and there I was in one of the best learning education institutions in the world with my clothes and trash bag, not understanding, not having even a, a cover for my dorm. Um, but understanding that I was there. And that for me changed my life. I remember closing my eyes and saying, Diosito mio, por favor, ayúdame, so one day I can help others. God, please help me, so one day I can help others. And I wouldn't have made it at Georgetown if it wasn't for that blessing, because again, I am a straight, raw kid from the hood, public school education that was so behind academically but yet I was so intact and in tune to my reality where I was, where I'm from and proud of where I'm from, that every paper was about Oak Cliff. Every 
project was about learning about Dallas. Like I never left home even when I was in DC or Boston or New York. And that reality um, is something that for me, I am just fulfilling the, the, the almost the request that I ask um, in my faith, God to help me make it because that's, uh, I, I think if I am honest with myself, there's so many kids who have even more talent than I do. And that's okay. We should want the generation behind us or next to us to be better than us. That's the only way we're going to improve. And I feel like I'm only living my, my, my vocation. Yeah, well, let, let's, let's talk about what you do, what Puede Network is, I know many people are familiar, but for those who aren't, talk about what you do with the little bitty ones, the four-year-olds, and, and, and how you sort of stay with these kids as they grow up and, and supplement, I mean, you're really like a supplement to their entire lives. Absolutely, I mean, and that's the, that's right away that I started thinking about those cases and scenarios. It's like the crazy part, but is there's four things that we focus in, in with Weather Network. There are four components or four pillars that always build scholars in any part of the country. Academic success, academic success community service, leadership initiatives, and ambition support. Now, what does that mean? Throughout these four pillars, my kids are building their resume in their own neighborhood. For example, we're so used to having kids from privileged backgrounds that come into our neighborhood and either do the community block cleanups, pass out produce, do different great deeds, but it's still keeping that savior mentality. And, and our kids are at the, at the shorter end of the stick. So what Weather Network has done has changed that role where even if there's a kid who has food insecurity, that doesn't mean that kid cannot help the North Texas Food Bank pass out food in the community. If there's another child who makes, let's say they don't have the, the money to play competitive soccer or have the skills to play, we provide an activity for them to be part of, whether it's soccer, boxing, robotics, STEM classes, they attend leadership classes. And the thing is, it's not just the kids, it's the parents with them. And it's this code switching language that's my advantage. I can speak to them if I needed to in a, um, I went to Harvard, my academic rigor, and, but, or I can speak to them that I'm the same kid that grew up in the same apartment complex where they're living now. And that again, um, it's ultimately has been a family development leadership program. And at this point, you know, the crazy part, and I can't take credit for it, all I did through the last 10 years has organized and structured it because my dad, the janitor, the Mexican immigrant, he started this program over 20 years ago when I was a kid because he was my soccer coach. He didn't have the academic component of it, but he had the whole being involved and sharing your time with your kids. Now is we, we combine both my dad, the secret sauce of what he's already been doing. And I came in with the academic component. And ultimately, now we have Weather Network. And we have over 287 kids that will be better leaders than I am. And I know we, at this point, you know, we've outgrown my dad's backyard, my backyard, our kitchen. We have a little, our small center. And with the dream that 
the next step, and this is the first time I announce it, one day um, we're going to open our own school. Like that is what I'm working towards. And it's going to happen. And, I, and, I'm, and I, I've been afraid of talking about that dream. But now, I, I, why? Why? Why would I, why be afraid of, of wanting your intellectual freedom and wanting to empower and be part of, we're always saying about working with the system, why can we not be the system? And that's ultimately, again, like even right now, I'm like, I'm like I just opened my mouth. I told my wife I wasn't going to say open my mouth and last, but no, like it's time. And I'm excited, and that's the next chapter in our in our in our path. That's very exciting. Okay, so it would be a what you gonna do? Charter school, private schools, a facet of DISD? <laughs> Don't know. Figure it out, right? I mean, it's gonna be interesting. Be good. You know what, Let, since you brought up schools, can we just like have a frank conversation about this really quickly with, you know, you mentioned, hey, look, I was not necessarily prepared for going to college. Well, I mean, listen, you went to a fancier college than the rest of us, but still, you know, you didn't feel prepared. What, what's like, what's the fix for our, I don't want to say a fix for our school system. Listen, we got great teachers here. We know that, but we know that we have underperforming schools. We know that we have schools that were damaged in a tornado and still have, you know, a year later have not been rebuilt. We've, we, we have some things to figure out within our Dallas schools. What well, do you, what think do you about, okay, the, the cliche and simple fix answer is, the truth. Once we communicate the truth with the community and the people that we're serving of how behind we are of the outside system, then we're going to move forward. For example, most of the public school kids, uh, you know, our, our students, we're only getting prepared to pass the state exam. College, right now we're doing great pipeline partnerships and creating options. But the truth is, We've never, we haven't really prepared our kids to think beyond passing a state exam. Now, there has never been a doubt of how amazing teachers we have. But think about this. If the great teachers that we have and students like you remember were the ones that had to break rules in the district or in systems to better serve us, or teachers that have to spend their money to be able to provide us with the resources. So there's a lot of logistical obstacles that honestly it requires bold leadership that can shake the rug and put money into what matters which is the students and the teachers not the other way around so in in details um there's obviously a lot of ways that i believe we can um better serve our community but i'm gonna keep it simple uh, for the sake of the interview and just say the truth if we share with students and families the truth, then we're really going to create an impact. And when I say the truth, is not shy away from the reality that we're not competing with the best in the country or the best in the state, or sometimes here like in, in Dallas, the best in the city. And guess what that's going to cost? That's going to cost families to expect more and want more for their kids. You have to believe in the people that you're serving. And I think, and I believe that's, the, that's what we need more of believing in the parents and the students that we're trying to empower. Yeah, you know, that honesty thing, it solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? It, re it really does. Last, last thing, and then I'm gonna let you go. Um, I, I'm, you know, you mentioned like, okay, that, that hero complex or savior complex, people come in and they do something and they leave. But for, but for people who are actually like, hey, I, I, God, I'm, I'm called to this cause, I would like to help. 
what, what is it a donation? Is it volunteer time? Is it extended mentorship programs? Like how can people help you if they're interested? It, I think well, for us specifically, obviously, um, actually I'm going to give my advice and putting ourselves in a situation is sometimes having just the conversation with the people that you're trying to serve or help is going to, that in itself will open up that opportunities. A conversation of not only um, hey, here's my resource or here's what I can do. It's more about listening to the people on the ground and the people you're trying to help on like, what impact can I have? Because sometimes, you know, there's a difference between intention and impact. And that's the ultimately, what my biggest advice were with people that want to help right now is really truly listen to what's happening, you know, in the, in the community and, and ask those community leaders, where do they feel that you best fit? Now, it doesn't mean you don't provide what you originally thought was your idea, but just understand that sometimes what you think is best is not what's needed at the moment. And being okay with that um, and proactive about it, I feel, will allow us to really move forward. So, for example, right now with the storm, you know, we need water. <laughs> we, we need a heat. We need a food. Something simple to bring something. When I say simple, it's just like this item that can bring hope. Now, moving forward, what do we need? We need job training. We need people that want to get jobs. What does that mean? How to even use technology to be able to apply to a job, but, and, and the list goes on. But again, there's always, always a space and a space and, and a desire for everyone to be able to make, the, uh, make a difference and impact. And the first decision is the most difficult one, going for it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say taking the risk, but just going and saying, you know what, I want to help. How can I help? Yeah, yes. that conversation is so important. So it's not a one and done, see you later. Here's, here's the thing I think you need. So thank you for taking us through that. Um, oh my gosh, I have so enjoyed learning more about your life. I could have gone on for another hour, uh, <laughs> but our crew's gotta get to lunch. Um, it has been just so great to get to know you a little bit more and you know hear more about your story and, and your mission that's happening so close to home here for us. Um, give us your website, the contact, how people can get, can get a hold of you if, you know, if by chance they do think, hey, you know what, I've got my gifts and this is where I, where I wanna help out. Absolutely, either you can see me riding a golf cart in Oak Cliff, passing our produce, you can always stop me there, or at our website is puedenetwork.com, Facebook for the network, Instagram for the network, or you can call us at 214-901-0940. Adon Gonzalez, thank you so much. It's really been a gift to, to you know, for, for, for myself as well, so thank you for the time. And thank you everybody for checking out this episode. I hope that, I hope you were able to pull something that relates to your life, that relates to how, um, gosh, how you can get a second shot by helping someone else, how you can get a second shot in your own life, you know, despite whatever circumstances you were dealt initially. You can find us at secondshotpodcast.com. You know that these air Thursdays, Thursday mornings, 10 to 11 on CW33 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.